0: Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire de Masquerade live play podcast. I am Sylvania Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. The entire cauldry are at the crime scene and things have gotten intense. Evangeline and Costas visited Sister Kurt Almond at the Night Church to discuss their troubles and Everett, still under the influence of his violent compulsion, confronted Evangeline for leaving the group. Meanwhile, Val and Doris teamed up to examine the bodies and determined that the murderer wasn't a vampire, they just wanted to seem like one. What will happen now that there is a new killer hunting in New Haven? Abandon hope? All ye who listen
2: here. You are all inside Cherry returning to the police station, having had the conversation that you needed to have. Right now, your working hypothesis provided by Doris, backed up by Val's findings, are that someone placed five bodies inside the freezers and is trying to make it look like vampires killed them. The coroner is gonna take a look through the day. You've got people looking for IDs and other information. So all of those bases have been covered. And that takes you to the end of your night where you're all in the station having to write your reports about what you saw that day. Because, again, you're back in report land of here's what happened and being able to track things for cases over time. It comes to the end of the night. Evangeline, I'm imagining you're right out the door, but I just want to check in.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Evangeline has has a lot of kind of soul-searching, who do I want to be, kind of feelings going on. Uh, so she doesn't need to have small talk with anyone or big talk with anyone. She <laughs> needs to have a little chat with herself.
2: So Evangeline heads out. Percy looks at the other three of you and gives you a nod each, you know, dramatically and appropriately. And then Percy follows because Percy is the air of this universe. Indeed. Uh, Doris, is there anything you would like to say or ask anyone before you go to kind of wind down your night?
4: I think she would probably just leave them with, uh, after saying like, um, clearly someone doesn't want this experiment to work and I assure you that it must because it's all our blood if it doesn't, especially mine. And I'm afraid I must be self-serving in this regard. Anyway, pleasant evening.
2: From the sheriff's office he's here fucking amen uh, mm-hmm. and, and you can you can go up to your room because barney <laughs> completely agrees that this thing needs to succeed uh and then he reaches out and closes his door and there is a moment where everett and val you are alone is the only two people in the station room what happened
5: val, val would turn to go because she really doesn't want to have a conversation with everett does not need any more words about this but just Night sheriff Stomping o- towards the door To leave
6: Yeah and uh, And the venom in that is not lost On Everett uh, I think it accomplishes What he wanted it to accomplish um, And uh, Everett um, seethes for a, a Moment He hates that he feels like he's losing his goddamn mind was the one thing he could kind of depend on to do his job, his mind. And he's all mixed up and it comes on without warning. He can't seem to shake it. He goes to the sheriff's office, pounds on the door to get Barty up and out here.
2: Yep, Barty will open
6: the door.
7: Hey, how'd it go out there? I heard things are getting fucked.
6: Yeah, yeah, they are, Bart. Tell me, do we have some sort of uh, budget or discretionary fund here for random purchases as needed by the sheriff in this department.
7: I mean, we have the reimbursement budget, which is if we break shit, then we can replace it for the community. I'm not supposed to let that go to zero, but nobody knows what I spend it on. So, like, if you need to spend something, let's fucking do this.
6: I need you to uh, call up Costas and purchase his finest piece of work, his finest piece of furniture, and have it brought here to the station. Oh, okay. Okay. There's a rocking chair that I have in mind, and I describe the rocking chair in detail that Evangeline and Costas discussed, and the one that Evangeline sat in.
7: Okay, let's. Yeah, I'll I'll get that sorted out for you. I'll have it here for you first thing the other the night. Oh, perfect. Would you mind
6: um keeping it out round back? I don't want anyone else to see it here.
7: Yeah, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Thank you. I'm a very good liar. Much. If people tell me to lie, it's just when they don't tell me that I got to lie, then I fuck up and tell their husband the whole thing and it's a mess.
6: Right. Well, don't tell anyone that it's here. Don't tell anyone
7: where you've put it. Okay, I won't. I will won't. put it in the dumpster out back. Nobody's going to know except you and me. Nobody's going to know. Great. Have a good day, Bart. You too. Thank you. I mean, sleep. Oh fuck! Everett's know.
2: Everett's walked away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bart's just swearing to himself. And he goes back into his office yes. to sort out your chair. Uh, there is a drive home though between our two most talkative team members, Val mm-hmm. and Evangeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have the ride home to get dropped off. Is there anything you say to each other during this time?
5: Val wouldn't start a conversation or try to, but is very obviously mad. She's doing the like super gripped steering wheel and just just it seems like she's cranky.
2: <laughs> now Val's been supportive before in terms of the music she's been playing. When Val is angry, what music is played?
5: <laughs> um I think it's just even more loud metal loudly. It's 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 just the the screamiest but like just Generic Aerosmith really loud that doesn't seem like it would help anything, (laughs) you know, just (laughs) really obnoxious (laughs) angry music.
2: I like it a lot.
1: And, uh, over, over the music, uh, Evangeline kind of starts trying to talk. Um, just says, was, was the sheriff weird today? Is it just Beth? me? I had a day.
5: <laughs> Bell is Be like
1: slightly head banging and like he was a fucking asshole, fuck motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, he he's sca- he's scared. Costa, I've never known him to scare anyone. Oh, and you he don't was fucking fr- know inter- him very well, doing we? interrogating a terrified good man on the street. What is he doing?
5: Guess we're seeing another side of Sheriff Fry that we didn't before. So, what the fuck? I ever? can't
1: hear you. And and Evangeline turns <laughs> off or down the music. Belle look at her and
5: sigh and just. If this is the fucking sheriff we're stuck with, if this is how he's gonna be, I don't, I don't know what I'll, I don't know what I'll fucking do.
1: I mean, we we have enough to deal with without having to like watch him have conversations with people and worry he's going to upset. I don't want to cause more problems here. In New Haven.
5: Yeah, yeah, I I get it. Hopefully deals with whatever the fuck. Obviously, all of you fucking hated that basement. Everyone had a shit time, so. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, was he down there alone? He wanted to be for some fucking reason and then he was mad about it. I don't fucking know. What?
1: I I just I just don't know where it came from. You yeah, me me either. And Eventually turns up, the music back up.
2: Say and you pull <laughs> up and that's the moment where you roll to a stop in front of Evangeline's house.
1: Okay see bye yeah (laughs) Evangeline gets out
2: percy follows (laughs) Val, you get to drive home teddy Mm -hmm. gives you the finger driving past this is now your thing while he's avoiding evangeline and mad at you uh the one thing that you do realize as you're driving home while angry is you did investigate the scene while you Mm -hmm. were in the basement and you did have some successes that you've been Heartily distracted from one might say, uh, over yeah. Everett's actions. But the thing that really stands out to you that stuck with you about that scene is that there was no sign of hesitation anywhere. It mm-hmm. also, despite the fact that there was a cauldron, there are no mystical markings, there are no runes anywhere in the room. It doesn't seem like it was an entirely religious experience, as you may have expected from their fanaticism. It seemed like it was incredibly efficient. It was like they got the bodies in, they drained people, they got the bodies out. Like, they may talk big talk, but they're way more organized than you would expect from a traditional cult.
4: Yeah. That
5: is shocking.
2: And bad, generally. You don't want, oh, now the organized cult. That's not great either. Mm -hmm, So, that's, mm -hmm. that's what you come away with, realizing that at the end of the night. Doris, You return to your room and you get a little bit of time to prep your bloodstone so you can start creating those. Great. Uh, How it works is uh, you take a pebble of of iron ore or a similar magnet uh, and blood in a silver bowl uh, and then you drop it in and chant over it for about an hour. So I just wanted to know, how does Doris handle a silver bowl? Does she have one already? What does it look like? Oh, like what probably. is What is a Doris ritual? I would just <laughs> love to be walked through Doris's version of blood magic.
4: I feel like the magnets that she has, I feel like she has a collection of magnets. And they're all like the f- most fun, cute little fridge magnets that she's probably stolen from various places. Like <laughs> ducks and like flowers and things like that, and she just will slowly like pull the frid, like the magnet off of um off of its backing and she'll like lovingly put the, the flower and the um the duck away. Um and then yeah
2: they th- won't interfere if you want to stick to duck <laughs> flower magnets, those are welcome too.
4: Oh, that's that's true. But she might want it to be uh a little bit more uh, that,
2: subtle. I, I appreciate it.
4: Yeah. Um, I think she puts on, like, Enya um, when she's doing this. Um, So there's the kind of, like, haunting, like, who can say where the road goes? Um, And, yeah, no, she she has a silver bowl and probably a stash of blood from something. I don't know. um, Or did she use her own blood?
2: It's your own blood for this one. But oh. you could stash your own blood. That's very possible with yourself. Oh
4: yeah, she has a nice little like. Uh, She's a nice little urn, um, that clearly once held someone's ashes, uh, huh. and, and and instead she uses it to store her blood.
2: Dare she, I ask or- whose ashes did it store once?
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it stored um. Someone she uh, went on like a couple dates with and decided she didn't want to date anymore. So uh, that was the end of that. I mean, breakups are really awkward in the 18th century. I don't know.
2: (laughs) I like it. I also like that there is an occult quality where anyone else would have to keep their blood chilled. But inside this container, Doris's blood just stays, it's It's fresh forever.
4: And she, like, has a set of measuring cups that she uses um, for this exact purpose. And she measures out the blood, and she mixes it with the, the magnet, and yeah.
2: Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Chanting over the bowl for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then before you go to bed, I have to ask, do you just give yourself, like, a little blast of ska to keep the screams away? Or is it, is it <laughs> just Enya for the evening?
4: I, I, think,
1: it's, I think it's both. <laughs> um <laughs> Wait, does Anya have a ska album?
2: Or is this two no, competing speaker it's sets competing playing different speaker
1: songs? sets? because
4: I think she really wants Annie to get the job done, but then every time she closes her eyes, she sees uh the like the freaking eyes and tongue or whatever it was that uh she's been sent. and so that isn't distra- that's too distracting. and so she puts on ska to try to like, drown out even more because the more conflicting things yeah, it's probably like three or four different music coming at one point um to try to get that image out of her brain so she can sleep. There might be some Backstreet Boys in there or something like that. I don't know. Gregorian chants.
2: So we got yeah Gregorian chants, Backstreet Boys Ska and Enya are yeah. all playing in your room. Which <laughs> explains why Troy is a little jittery the next night with that playing through the ceiling the full <laughs> day.
4: The cats are used to it.
2: Yeah, yeah, daytime, that's why they all like to take shifts out of the office during the daytime as they never know what's what's coming through the ceiling. The next night when you all awake, uh Doris you get to do a little more blood chanting. Uh Val and Evangeline, you just have your average mornings and then get to to drive in together. Everett, when you wake up, the co- the lid of your coffin in the basement comes off and it's Bart saying,
7: "Okay, so i didn't put it in the dumpster which is good because they would have checked the dumpster but i have a locker where i have to hide all the stuff that like honestly val gets angry about so i put it in there so come with me and i'll show you
6: uh everett waking to find that he feels the same just boring not not like out of boredom but like a a something digging into him, Mm -hmm. Uh, it is not abated as he slept. He wakes up feeling just as angry and tired and frustrated as he did to go down. So he doesn't say anything to Bart, but he
2: puts both hands up on the rim of the coffin, gets up and out and follows him up. Great. Bart leads you across the basement to what looks like a solid-faced weapons locker. You know, when you see them in movies, they're always the chain link. This one's a solid slate gray metal locker in the corner. And he opens it up with both doors with a key. Uh, This is with the, the overhead fluorescent lighting. It's a very bare space in the basement. This is really just used for coffin storage through the day. Uh, And at night for officers to sleep, there's no windows whatsoever. There's no way for light to get in. They'd have to lift the whole top of the building off to get any light into this space very consciously. But there are two of these lockers, one of which he opens. uh, And inside it, you see the rocking chair. Seeing it in this better light, you realize how well-crafted it truly is. This was something that would have taken weeks of laborious effort, scrimshawing in small details, uh, doing a lot of inlay. There is a golden bow wrapped around uh, the exterior of it. And there is a a card on it in beautifully written calligraphy that says a gift to my protector, uh, Evangeline, signed by Costas. Uh, And Barty turns to you and just says, he
7: wouldn't even let me pay for it. He said it was a gift for a friend. So, okay, do what you got to do.
6: Thanks. Um, Can I take it? out of here or is this i like it's gonna end up in the dumpster spoiler alert no
1: i know where this is going and i'm already very upset
2: uh here's the so right now you've got a complete chair right you can carry it up through the main area and out but you don't know if troy will be there and see it right yeah Um, okay and doris gets up before you so doris may be around okay Um, So it comes down to like what your strategy She may be on
4: the ceiling (laughs) at any time.
2: Everett looks up. Oh, okay. All right. Uh,
6: Everett will say to Bart, um, bring me a trash bag.
7: Okay, I'll go get that. I'll be right back.
6: And he goes upstairs to get a trash bag. Great. Uh, And using the same uh, skills that he was taught, the same natural talent he has for noticing um, the intent found in objects, the um, the amount of work that might have to go into something, um, those same sort of detective skills he intentionally uses to really fully understand the love and care that went into crafting this object and in reviewing the card, which he turns over in his hand and reads, again and again and he crumples it into his hand and he lets that drop he Everett, puts both hands kind of along the back of this chair feeling it and he tightens his grip and he begins to pull and pull until the chair the wood starts to creak uh and then Fangs bared, he just shouts and rips the chair
2: apart. (sighs) And it is broken irreparably. Everett, can you roll me an like a wits and an awareness? Wits, uh, at minus two uh or, no because you have no, broken okay. the thing now so you are cured of your dice pool problem so okay. you succeeded in that i'm not affecting this this is for something okay. else that you may or may not notice okay i, I wouldn't care either you, way you, i just you were freed understand. of your compulsion uh and you would have had enough bags of blood that you're back to your one hunger which will be true for everybody oh. again we will okay. flag um if there's a new day where you don't have bags of blood but otherwise you guys will always be juiced uh you guys get additional rations compared to the average citizen because they expect you to use your powers in your pursuit of the law okay
6: We have one, two, three, four, five, six successes.
2: All You finish tearing this chair apart and you feel your beast relax its grip on your heart. And when you look into the locker that is still open in front of you and you look down, you can see stacks of newspapers. And they all feature great victories of Rufus, the previous sheriff, alongside Val in a number of those images. And it's the first time you have seen that Rufus, the previous sheriff, looks exactly like you. Like to a creepy, almost doppelgangery y uh, value. And you see in these photos that Val looks at Rufus lovingly with approval there are arms around shoulders it is a different val than you've seen anywhere else and then you see that he disappeared before you got there and all of a sudden val calling you dad and val's other problems with you hit you like a ton of bricks because it's being contextualized for you in this moment along with the damage you've done And the times where your beast has caused you to lash out needlessly at Val.
3: Fuck. Greetings, children of the night. It is I, Count Vlad von Lestat, drinker of blood, keeper of the Chronicle, and all around the spooky dude. I used to host blood and syrup, but now I spend all of my time in the Dum Dums and Dragons Patreon. Yes, for just the cost of one dollar, one, ah, 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 you can join the Patreon, get into the Discord, and talk to other fans about everything that's happening in your favorite shows. Alternatively, at higher levels, you can get ad-free feeds, you can add names and locations to the shows, or at the $25 level, you can even create your own NPC of darkness, or light, or whatever various lighting solution you want. You create your character, and they appear in one of our shows, causing all forms of shenanigans, and your name ends up in the credits. It's a pretty sweet deal. In any case, join our Patreon of Darkness at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Sleep well, children of the night. Ah, ah, ah. Spooky.
7: All right, here's your garbage bag. And Barty just
2: tromps down the stairs and and just starts shoving this chair in the garbage. The nice thing for you, Everett, is he doesn't ask any fucking questions. Barty is like, you're going to do your job. He's going to do his job. The last thing before we get the gang together, it is a new day, and I can't not have Doris check those tarot cards. <laughs> so it's Wits Yay. plus a Cult. Oh, we got to yeah. find out what Doris finds out this morning.
4: Wits plus a Cult? Yes. All right.
2: One, two...
4: Ooh, six. That is three successes.
2: All righty. You flip the card, and it is a, a world cast in shadow that is incredibly hard to see within. And you can actually see puppet hands over the top with the strings flowing down controlling the shadows over whatever is being hidden behind them but the card is inverted so there is a certain amount of the opposite of this while also this occurring, you can't tell if it's truth is going to be shown to you and a puppet master is being defeated or if a new shadow is being cast it's just raising some confusing and interesting questions for you
4: Mm Hmm. It does. Okay. Uh she she'll just like pick up the card and kind of like turn it upside down and then turn it right back side up and then turn it upside down. She does this like 20 times, trying to like get a feeling for which way feels better. And then she can't figure it out. So she frustratedly just kind of sticks it under her hat um for later. Um And uh, she'll just kind of look at her, her cats um, and just say, uh, you're lucky you're just children. You don't have to worry about this. Maybe I'll be reincarnated as you someday. (laughs) I agree.
2: And then you get to go down. So everybody arrives (laughs) in the office after the night before. Uh, there are reports freshly on your desks that you can flip through.
7: Barty walks out and just says, all right, so I got a coroner here with the chilled bodies in the evidence locker so you can all check them out because I wasn't, you don't need to go across town to the hospital. I just want you to have what you need. So just, just go in there and you can flip through what you want and then she'll explain everything else. Thanks, uh,
1: Bart. And Evangeline, uh, yeah, it says, thanks, Bart. You're I don't know if anyone's told you this but like really like grateful for the work you do so evangeline is just like everett's been on a fucking tear and she doesn't know what he said to barty and she wants to make sure that like he feels okay
7: oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that's like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me oh my god
2: uh, and he's just in happy tears when he bursts into his office and just shuts the door behind him and you just hear him be like it means so much and he's just <laughs> having his own time you feel like he's very underappreciated in his day
4: Aww. humans are perplexing creatures mr fry
6: <laughs> yes uh officer barbara
4: are you feeling less wrathful today sir
6: yeah as it turns out i i am i was hoping to uh speak with the three of you before we move on to the case um uh, I'd like to apologize for my behavior last night. It was unprofessional and uh, unacceptable. Uh, I don't even have a uh, completely rational explanation for why I did what I did. Um, I think I'm sick. I think uh, there's something wrong with me besides, you know, being a vampire.
4: <laughs> that's not a thing that's wrong with you, sir.
6: Uh, it feels like it sometimes. Uh, i felt this way before, you know, when y'all pulled me off of that person that I was feeding on the first night we met. Val in the van, when I had to pull you off of that merc. I... Uh, feel like I lose control sometimes. It's not who I am. Something else kind of drives the bus. And last night, that's the longest I've felt out of control. I don't know if this makes sense to any of y'all. I don't know if this is a a thing that you've seen in others. But, uh, I just wanted to put that out there that that's not who I am. That's, uh, I don't know what it is, but I do apologize.
4: You might have magical fingers in your brain, sir.
6: Oh yeah. Oh, well, uh, I guess, uh, we'll have to look into that. I I can look
4: into your brain.
6: Well, can I keep my hat on? Like, you know,
4: I would never dream of removing someone from their hat. That's impolite.
6: Right. Right. <laughs> so sorry, I don't want to get into the particulars of that solution just now. Um, you know, we got we got work to do and I'm keen to do it. Uh, I'm feeling feeling in my right mind right now, and I'd like to make the most of it.
5: Sarah Fry, are you getting enough rations? Tends to be, it feels that way when Kindred is hungry.
6: Yeah. Yeah, but the damnedest thing was last night I was. I was well and truly fed. I was, uh. I had had my fill.
4: There is a lot of evil in that basement. Who knows which evil yeah. fingers tickle in your brain?
2: Yeah, the smell of it. Can everyone accept Everett? Roll me either a wits if you're trusting your gut or intelligence if you're actively trying to understand. Plus, I would accept awareness from Val or from Evangeline. And I would say a cult from Doris. Dope. One, two, three,
4: four. Four success.
5: I got three successes.
1: Ooh, uh, I got a messy successy.
6: Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yeah. I had to look at that for a second. Yeah, no, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Which means five total successes.
2: All righty. Uh, So Doris and Val, you both recognize what he is talking about. You both have been vampires for considerably longer than Everett. Val, you've got a couple of decades. Doris, you have centuries of experience, (laughs) which does not surprise me that you recognize this the most. But the idea of the beast being a thing that has to be constantly battled with is something that you are actually aware of. And if he's new, he might not know as much about it, which is a situation where I think you would try to possibly... Maybe not Val, you've got your own emotional circumstance, but like Doris, you can try to at least help him understand. Or Val, you get it. Evangeline, you also definitely get the idea of the beast bothering him. The problem for you is thinking about the beast too much summons the beast. So you end up just affirming that you know what he's talking about way too intensely. Do you mm. see this as a like smashing the desk in front of you because you're just trying to punch it, but you fracture fractured it in half? Or what is the big showy thing that you would try to do and then go too far to be like, yeah, that?
1: Uh, I think Evangeline, she would just like stalk up to Everett and just meaning to like put a finger in his chest, like just like, Get yourself under control. I don't know how far she pushes him.
2: <laughs> I I would say let's roll strength and athletics. And then Everett, man, because you were completely flat-footed. I am not really defending myself right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, strength, you want to just set a difficulty or? Uh, let's just say we'll have you roll strength. Because okay. if you're not using anything active against it, I think it's just how strong your body is. Against this big push, uh, Harry, yeah, because you are uh, in uh, a messy successy mode. Ev- uh, Evie, we will give you the free uh, die as though you had pushed, though you haven't. You don't have to rouse mm. check for it. Uh, it'll just be you get an additional die. Well,
1: oh, that one failed too, so one success. <laughs> what
6: is Everett?
5: going
6: on? I oh, no. two fucking dice. <laughs> i rolled a hunger die as I am obligated to and the one other die that my strength stat allows me to roll. I rolled a fucking messy successy. Double tens. I'm so sorry. I just want us to be
2: friends
4: and cooperate.
1: Look, my messy successy got us into this current situation right now. I'm going
2: to break a whole fucking ikea's worth of shit <laughs> so the nice thing is with messy successes versus bestial failures messy successes don't trigger compulsion the same way bestial failures that's do. true yes maybe somebody out there in vampire land will tell me i'm wrong and i just don't care we're doing it. Right <laughs> right. but uh you see everett as you're trying to describe the beast and it's super weird, but also probably fascinating for Doris and Val to see this, is Evie is immediately, her beast is activated in a way that's like hitting too hard to go and try to shove him. And it's like a push you would expect to throw Everett back. Only Everett, you just sensing the beast coming at you, your beast comes back and you slap both of her hands out of the way and you shove her hard enough that she flies across the room and hits the wall about the 12 feet up on the other side and falls down. So, Evangeline, you will take two points that are not deletable of superficial damage. So they are a single line through. Okay. uh, As you hit the ground. Everett, what do you say as your beast uh, unfurls itself in defense of you? This would be the gut thing that you say, and then we'll go back to the scene where everyone regains control of themselves. Oh,
6: the gut thing is just, what is happening
2: all right everybody else you know about the beast evangeline your beast just came out and got its ass kicked again which is the second time on like messy like messy successes that you have been overcome yeah which i think pushes your emotional reaction a totally different direction because the last time that happened you were kidnapped so yeah. that's pushing you into a dark zone. For the other two of you, you've actually seen two beasts come out in this conversation. I don't know what you would say to either party, but I leave this up to you.
4: I mean, I think Doris' initial reaction would be to compel Everett to chill the fuck out.
2: Oh, yeah. Let's go for it.
4: Um, But in flowery, more flowery terms. Uh, when you say <laughs>
2: compel, do you mean you are trying to use your compel power to oh, calm this yeah. yeah. All right.
4: It would just be an automatic hand out like chill out bro kind of thing so uh that's charisma plus dominate versus in, in resolve so charisma la, la, la
2: and you're you're rolling intelligence and resolve i think was what was said if that's correct
4: Claire. uh that's what everett's rolling yeah yes. so you're
2: rolling that everett three four
6: once again it's, it's like similar to evangeline coming to shove me I guess instinctually, I guess I want to fend off whatever's happening, but yes. like I want help is the thing too. Yeah. Yes, um, but
2: this is like, she's flashed a hand, so you've made eye contact, and now she's trying to entrance you. So instinctively, yeah. your brain is not going to surrender to mind control. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah,
4: that's five successes.
2: Oh, good, okay.
1: You're like, yes, somebody calm me down.
6: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> One, He's going to tell you to three. sit.
6: Three successes. (laughs)
2: Okay, three successes. You are successfully compelled. We've never had to say this, so Claire, I would love for you to describe what Everett's experience is like inside his own mind as you take control and force him to sit. What does it feel like? Because they've been all NPCs, so nobody's known their side. But I'd like to know it for him.
4: I feel like... (laughs) Um... (laughs) I feel like his mind just kind of goes a little fuzzy and in the back of his mind he hears Enya <laughs> like very very softly and then you just and then he hears uh, she doesn't even talk it's like this weird telepathic communication and he just hears her voice coming over the music Um uh, and, and she just, yeah, uh, let's pull in Inuyasha and she just, and he just hears, sit boy.
6: Everett sits where he's standing. He sits on the floor.
4: And that's, uh, yeah. Um, that's all. She just wanted him to, to chill the fuck out.
2: Great. So Everett, you come back to yourself already sitting on the floor with just a vague memory and feeling of what just happened to you. Val, what do you do as this is all developing?
5: Well, watched all of this, just the back and forth and everything, and the only thing she said during it was like, well, there you fucking go. And, and once it calms down, walks over to help <laughs> Evangeline up.
2: evangeline when you stand your injuries are superficial which for a vampire means you can feel the idea of an injury mm-hmm. but it doesn't hurt you in the way that it did when you were immortal it it, it feels like it's further distant it, it's like it happened yeah. to someone else almost even though it's your own body because the damage is functionally so light but you did just summon your beast and lost to another beast instantly and val who is one of probably the only at an instinctual level for you protector figure in your world mm-hmm. is the one helping you up. How do you feel? What are you doing?
1: Uh, Evangelie's she's kind of in shock by this. Like it all happens so fast and she just found herself like, you know, she, in her mind, she was being strong and then to get that reaction back, uh, it really, really shocked her. Um, and she's immediately going to go into, like, she's pissed at Everett. So it's, like, I think, you know, like, she just looks at Val after their conversation last night and everything. And just as Val's helping her up, Evangeline's just, like, like, who, like, who the fuck are, is he kidding? Like, what is this? <laughs> Like, I can't do this. I can't d- do this to
5: the... a fucking boss. Val's gonna get Evangeline up and put both hands on her shoulders, like, trying to steady her. Because Val's countenance has completely changed. Because knowing that it's the beast thing, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's completely different than mm-hmm. anything that she thought was going on. So t- she has a lot of empathy for that, but also understanding. And yeah. she nods to Evangeline and just... No, it, uh... Oh if he's as young as doris said he's dealing with the same things you are so it's not it's not what we thought it's just as hard for him as you right now Wait, what it's not easy to learn how to deal with the anger inside and the beast when it comes up
1: so 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 this is all okay like we just the stuff God, this is just my life. God, this is my life now. And uh, Evangeline just storms storms to her desk and sits down and starts, she just wants to start reading the papers in front of her. She's like hearing this from Val, who's like she expected Val to get angry with her and like having this just like, yeah, nothing you can do about this from her just, well, I guess there's nothing you can do about it, because <laughs> Val would fucking do something about it if you could.
2: <laughs> Evangeline, can you roll me a composure and investigation?
1: Yeah, composure and there's investigation. There it is. Uh, that's we got three fa- failures
2: so yeah you're not reading shit you're just you're <laughs> yeah. flipping through the report in that way where you can't get a single word out of it yeah so for you you you're not going to get anything out of this reading and also you can't help but hear the rest of what's happening in the room you can't yeah. escape this conversation even if you're trying to though you're very welcome to just keep trying to read and not no that actively that sounds
4: right <laughs> i think doris would be looking down at everett and just say uh Are you, are you quite calm now?
6: Everett is like the personification of metal being, having been pulled out of a fire and doused in water. He rises super cool and says, uh, he points to his own head and says, uh, was that you just now?
4: I deeply apologize, sir.
6: No, no. Thank you. That, uh... That really helped.
4: I just don't think our team needs any more breaking right now.
6: I couldn't agree more.
4: I realize that you are, with all due respect, sir, a relative child. Um, but we need this to work. And I need this to work. And so I do believe that we need to start working as a team who respects each other. Yes?
6: Yeah, I agree completely.
4: So, no more bloody shoving each other. That's not nice. That's kindergarten nonsense.
6: Yeah, that's not who I am. That's not what I try to be about. Um,
4: well, then show us what you are, Sheriff.
6: Thank you, uh, Officer Clark. I am. Um...
1: Yeah, that's what Doris just said. Really resonates with Evangeline. Oh, okay, especially after uh, after what Sister Kurt said the other night.
6: Uh, Clark, I'm very sorry. That was, uh, I don't want to scare you. Uh, you know, we all have to work here. We have to protect New Haven. This is your home. This is everyone's home. And, uh, I know how it sounds coming from me, but I have to say it because it's how I actually feel. I want to help.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh Doris
2: can- Just for the sake of visual, are you looking up while you say this or are you still uh, in your paperwork? I
1: um I say oh okay. so I I'm looking down and I say okay. And I turn around in my chair and just look at look up at Doris and say Can can we count on you to like Keep us in check when things get out of hand. I, I mean, look, I don't want to. I don't want to hit anyone. I don't want to be violent. I don't want anyone to do that to me, especially not someone I work with. But it's sometimes I, I don't know what to do, and I just it just happens.
4: I'm and not. It. I'm not a babysitter, Evangeline Clark. However. It's a good thing for you that I like playing in brains. (laughs) Oh, okay.
2: And with those discomforting words of comfort, you settle down and all begin to read the files as Doris plays Enya in the background, (laughs) which Everett you would normally find very annoying, but instead it's oddly soothing because the Sheriff of New Haven may have just found his new favorite artist. Barbara what is this who who's singing this song
4: Her name's Anya
6: Anya That's a good song I like that
0: I know This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at DelTastic on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Ryan LaPlante at TheRyanLaPlante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Blood and Syrup's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com. That's D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme songs are what's really going on right now by by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazar, J A H Z Z A R. All of their music is available at FreeMusicArchive.org.
2: Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn1138, Allerain Okapi, OMG It's Big Nick, Steve Wheeze, D&D and Things, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them and a little bit of thanks to you.